Uh, greetings everyone, my name's Adam Draycott and this is our first online message from St Augustine's Anglican Church here in Inverell, rural New South Wales. So if you're watching from the UK or from Tenerfield or Sydney, Bingra, Ashford, Dalungra or Lithgow uh, or anywhere else, a warm welcome to you. Uh, I don't know if the prospect of a new year fills you with excitement or trepidation. Uh, as the clock strikes midnight, so many are hoping and wishing for better. But of course, the simple tick of a clock does not change our fate. It does not determines, determine one's destiny. Uh, hoping for better without a foundation for that hope is just plain empty. Christians believe God sits on his throne. He does as he pleases. That's Psalm 115. Christians also believe God's love is better than even life. That's Psalm 63 verse 3. And we know that love, God's love, is expressed and embodied in the person of Christ Jesus. And so our prayer for you in 2021 and we're praying that to him we turn, to him we trust, no matter what the world serves up. Now, don't be, don't be mistaken, that wasn't the first sermon for the year, okay? Uh, our Bible reading today comes from uh, John's first letter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And the lovely Tanya Draycott is going to come and read that for you now. Thanks, Tanya. The Bible reading comes from John's first letter, 1 John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, well, we know uh, Christmas is so last year, uh, but... It we're not quite done with our Christmas series. We've got one more passage to consider, so please bear with me. Uh, and in this passage, it's not a birth narrative. There are no angels or shepherds or wise men. No, it's just four verses from John's first letter. Not the Gospels. Uh, John's first letter. And so look it up. If, if you followed Tanya reading it, keep your Bible open. If you haven't gone there yet, go to your contents page. Use that. That's what it's for. Look it up and follow along with me as we share God's word together. Uh, but first, let, let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Father God, we are thank you for your love. We thank you that you sit on your throne. We thank you that as you love us and as uh, you rule, we know that you hear us. Uh, for that we are grateful. Uh, we also know that you speak to us and we ask that you speak to us through your word. Um, Show us the truth of your word by your Holy Spirit. Enlighten our minds and our hearts 
that we might love you and please you and live lives characterised by faith and repentance. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, Amen. So these four verses are a great summary of what Christmas means. Here's the first thing. First point, Christmas means salvation is by grace. Look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and touched, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Who is the word? Who's the word? Did you call out Jesus? Good answer. Correct. Full marks for that. Uh, first right answer for 2021, maybe. And then there's verse 2. And what is the word called in verse 2? What is Jesus called? The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. What's he called? We proclaim to you the eternal life. What a staggering phrase. It's not that Jesus has eternal life. It's not that Jesus even gives eternal life here. It's he is eternal life, which means... He is salvation itself. Jesus is salvation itself. Every other religion tries to point to the path of eternal life. But see the difference. Because Jesus is God come in flesh, he is eternal life. To unite with him by faith, to know him in love, is to have this life. That's it. Full stop, finito, there's no more. There's nothing else to be achieved or attained. Jesus is it. All right, now we have to think. Now you might be thinking, you might believe that you can earn your right to heaven with God. Or you might reject religion altogether. Maybe you believe you have the moral resources within yourself to pull it off. To live the life a human ought to live. But if that is you, can I say your life will be characterised by fear and insecurity, wondering if your idea, your measure of what is good is ever good enough. Or your life will be marked with disdain for others because you've arrived and you think you're okay, right? You're pretty good, just ask you. And maybe in your pride you look down on others. Or you're just going to be full of self-loathing because you know you fall short. There is another possibility, though. You can believe the truth of Christmas, that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. And then our identity is humbled out of our pride, affirmed and loved out of our insecurity, and one our identity becomes one that offers forgiveness and restoration uh, when we fail. Here's the second thing. Uh, Christmas really happened. I know that's gobsmacking. But it did. It needs to be said. If then, if we are saved by our own efforts, then these Christmas stories about Baby Jesus, it doesn't matter if they happened or not. You can just kick him down the field 
and relegate these stories to something out of Narnia. They just become inspirational to us. Jesus becomes a nice example to live by. But if we are saved by grace, not by what we do, by what by what has been done, then it is crucial that the great events of the gospel, think the incarnation, God become man, the atonement on the cross, the resurrection from the dead, actually occurred in time and space. This is verse 1. Let me read it again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. This is it. Well, it's verse 3. Can you see verse 3? We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard. Uh, sorry, let me say it again. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. On it goes. This is not a nice set of sentimental stories. This is public testimony. John is saying, he and his mates, we testify to this. You see them standing in the dock, so to speak. We testify to this. We really saw him. He really lived. He really died. He really rose from the dead. Get your heads out of Narnia, people. This is not the stuff of fanciful legend and fairy tales. Stop it. These stories are anchored in real places, in real history. And because they're absolutely true, because they're absolutely true, you can be saved by grace. It's wonderful. Here's the third thing. Christmas means that we can have fellowship with God. John, he wants his believers, uh, he, wants, he wants his readers to believe his testimony. But what's the goal of believing the testimony? Look at verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that, that's the clue, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. The goal, the goal is fellowship with God and with the Father and the Son. And the goal is fellowship with who? One another. One another. If you're thinking about coming back to church, do it. Do it. Uh, we've got risk mitigation measures in place. Come back to church. And fellowship. This is good. This is good. Uh, don't not hear that. It has a place at the moment. But if you're thinking, maybe I need to come back. Do it. Come back. Because we are bonded. And part of our bond is our communion as believers. And that is expressed as we gather. Um, that's one expression of it. See, it bears thinking about again. Uh, we enter into the same, uh, John is saying, also, as we think about our gathering together, John is saying about who we gather with as well. We enter into the same personal communion with God that the apostles and others who had saw and knew Jesus personally 
we enter into that same personal communion. But what is it that makes the Christian faith as compared to other religions? What makes it so intimate and personal? And the answer is Christmas, the incarnation. No other faith says God became flesh. How does the hymn go? Carol, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. That's what we sing, which is incredible because maybe, I don't know if you remember, do you remember when Moses asked to see God's glory and he was told, nah, it's going to kill you. You can't. You don't know what you're asking. No. Yet in John's gospel, not the letter, in the gospel of John, first chapter, verse 14, it is written, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. That is incredible. Uh, when there's a solar eclipse, there's one kind you're not meant to look at directly unless you've got special glasses. There's a special way of, of, of uh, comprehending this eclipse, lest you damage your eyes. And we taste this in the person of Jesus Christ. In the person of Jesus Christ, we can lay eyes on God. We see the glory and wonder that is God. And that is amazing. So if you want to know God personally, uh, believing general truths about God isn't going to cut the mustard. You actually need to come to the Gospels and pray through the Gospels because when we read through the Gospels, you are going to see God in human form. We see God's perfection in ways that we can actually relate to because we see him do it. We see his love. We see his humility, his brilliance, his wisdom. We see his compassion. And it's not abstract and it's concrete. Because this guy, he has lungs. He sweats, he breathes, he eats, he laughs and he cries. And this guy, his name is Jesus, of course. Can we see the glories of God in the Old Testament? Absolutely. But in the Gospels, in Jesus Christ, these glories come near. Jesus becomes tangible and tactile and actual. Above all, he becomes personal, someone with whom we can have friendship, a relationship. And so Christmas means God goes to infinite lengths to make himself one who can be known personally. Jesus is the mediator who smashes down the barriers of sin and death and all of that stuff so that we can have sweet fellowship with God. Do we know about this? Do we pray like this is true? When we pray, do we know we're having a sweet, rich communion with our personal God? And so Christmas means that God is not an abstract concept known from afar. Christmas means you can get close to God. All right, how does verse 4 end? Here's the fourth thing. We write this to make our joy complete. Some translations say your joy complete. It gets a bit confusing. Maybe what John means is that my joy will not be complete until you have the same joy in fellowship with God that we do. In, in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, 
Now's your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. When Jesus prays in chapter 7, his prayer is that the disciples would have the full measure of what? The full measure of what? Joy. Within them, the joy that Christmas brings. The assurance of God's love and care that should reinvigorate us spiritually. No matter what life is serving up. Do you lack joy? Do you lack joy? Have you met Jesus? What are you doing with him at the moment? Which brings us to the last thing. Here's the last thing. I wonder, do we miss the joy for all of the ordinariness? What? Do you see that Christmas means that God becomes ordinary? The finite becomes, sorry, the infinite becomes finite. The extraordinary becomes ordinary. Unimaginable greatness is wrapped in a manger. Can the world comprehend that? Does the world get that? Maybe the world would have been better off with a big spectacle. Is it or not? Is it true and even ironic that the one holiday that so much of the world embraces is almost the most incomprehensible to that world. It's so incomprehensible, they've got to make it about something else. Jesus wasn't born at Royal Prince Alfred with paparazzi waiting outside. He was born in a food trough, born in a stable rather, and then placed in a food trough. He did not live in a palace. He was a refugee. The guests at his birth were not A-listers. They were shepherds. And then when the wise men turned up, uh, apparently they're A-listers, but they're decidedly foreign and inexplicable. They're mysterious. I mean, they're somebodies and nobodies all at the same time. It's an incredible achievement, really. Do you, do you see it? I mean, if you were God, how would you have done it? If you're going to start a world-changing movement, how would you do it? And maybe that's it. The world cannot comprehend a God like Jesus. Because the ordinary and the common just doesn't rate in the world. And maybe the ordinariness of the gospel, maybe that's part of its offence. That immoral, rebellious sinners can have their record of wrong wiped away. How? Well, all you need to do is to ask. Salvation is simply, simply something asked for. That Christ came in weakness and ordinariness to save, not the proud, but those who admit they're weak and ordinary and in need of a saviour. Do you see it? Christian life begins... Not with high deeds and spectacle, but the most simple and ordinary act of asking. And joy then springs forth and thrives from there. Joy in belonging. Joy in being saved. Joy in reading 
and praying, joy in turning up and encouraging others, joy in serving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and joy in serving and loving our neighbours too, whoever they are, joy in suffering as we depend on Christ. And bit by bit, our faith does grow. And as our faith grows, what else grows? Our joy. And in all of that ordinariness are the extraordinary riches of the gospel. How silently, how silently the wonderful gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in.